0: All right, this week's Torah portion is called Shilftim, which means Judges, and it spans the passages from Deuteronomy 16 to Deuteronomy 21, but we're going to use Acts chapter 8 as our springboard to get into our tour portion for this week. So turn to Acts chapter 8, and while you're doing so, I'll read the uh, blessing over the reading of the Word. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law does he meditate day and night i will delight myself in thy statutes and i will not forget thy word deal bountifully with thy servant that i may live and keep thy word open thou my eyes that i might behold wondrous things out of your torah all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, do we all know the difference between faith and superstition? Do we understand? I so. the, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. The difference between faith and superstition, because sometimes they get blended together, and sometimes we start out in faith, and we drift into superstition without realizing it because there's this spirit of religion that kind of gets in the mix and starts kind of turning our heart and our mind in ways that, that we can't readily see. So, you know, Al, you got a pretty nifty necklace, the stone that has the cross in it, right? Yep. You know, why do you wear that? Well, first of all, it was given to me and because I um, love the Lord and I want to let people you know that. Lord. So you wear it as a witnessing tool right. there would be some that says oh my goodness look at the symbol in this rock there's a cross in this rock so there must be some sort of special power in imbued in this rock because it's got the cross of christ it's going to repel demons it's going to repel vampires and all this kind of stuff and they wear they wear such things as a good luck charm or as a a, a token of, of, of protection. You know, some people think, well, you know, I'm good because I, I'm wearing a cross. That means the Lord's going to protect me because I'm wearing a cross. Uh, no. And then some people even try to use the scripture to validate their superstition. Well, why are you wearing red bracelet oh well because um it was rahab that put the red rope um out of the window and she was protected when the israelites came and invaded jericho so it's a symbol of the lord's protection okay my goodness it, it it's it's from the cotton plant or it's from a sheep and it's been dyed red it's a material thing that has no power in and of itself Somebody can come up with a, a pair of scissors and cut that bracelet off. Somebody could take a match and burn that bracelet off. That bracelet is not going to protect you from anything. If you want to use it as a witnessing tool to say, "Oh, here's the story of Rahab," or, you know, this is a symbol of God's protection, but not saying that, you know, this thing actually protects me, because that's witchcraft. You know, that's oobie doobie magic and good luck charms and hocus pocus stuff. And we don't believe in that because we walk by faith and not by sight. So there's a difference in faith and superstition. And sometimes you your faith can be in superstition. And your faith should be in Christ and in Christ alone. So there is a danger. Not only that, with some of the rituals. You know, people, you know, like we should pray before our meals, but we should also pray after our meals. But many of you don't pray after your meals because you weren't taught or raised that way. But the Bible says that after you have eaten and are full, bless the Lord. And the reason we do that is so we don't take our blessings for granted. But even if you don't bless your food before or after your meal, does it mean that you're going to be poisoned by the food you ate because it wasn't blessed? Your prayer does not change the food. It's not going to change unkosher food to kosher food just because you prayed over it. You know. So your prayer is a thanks and a blessing to God. It's not a protection and magic over the food to change the substance of the food. That's not what it's about. We should pray before and after meal sometimes we forget sometimes but that doesn't mean god's gonna punish us because oh well you forgot to pray so i guess i'm gonna have to curse you with food poisoning <laughs> that's superstition and sometimes when churches go out of their uh um you know rituals and liturgy and they do something different people get all scared like oh we're doing it wrong we're doing it wrong the lord's not gonna bless that is superstition and we've got to get out of that mindset. God is going to do what God's going to do. The Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. We, we have a, a routine. We have a ritual only for the sake of keeping order, only for the sake of having some sort of structure. But that can differ from church to church, from synagogue to synagogue, from denomination to denomination. So it's not the rituals and order of service that makes it right or wrong. It's the intention behind it. But if the Holy Spirit decides to pop in and change the routine and change the schedule and you refuse to do that, you are quenching the Holy Spirit and you are wrong in doing so and you're sinning in doing so. We've got to be open for the Lord to do what he's going to do. Now, most churches are used to get getting out on Sundays at noon so we can go to the steakhouse, you know, or, or we can catch the game at home or whatever, and we get miffed if the preacher goes over his quote unquote time limit. But what if the Holy Spirit wants the preacher to preach a little bit longer? Who's being disobedient by getting all upset? Now, I'm not just saying that because I plan on preaching a long message today. Thank you. But I'm just saying we've got to be open for the Holy Spirit to move. We can't quench the Holy Spirit. How many times do you think the Holy Spirit has wanted to do something new, do, do a blessing? And we've squelched that because we're so stuck in doing things a certain way. So, in, Deut- in Acts chapter 8, uh, starting with verse 9. Now, a man named Simon had been practicing magic in the city. Now, when you practice magic, there's formulas, there's rituals, there's incantations, and you've got to do it just right, or the result you're seeking is not going to happen. So this Simon guy was used to rituals. He was used to uh, rules and regulations in such a way that brought about you know, a, a specific result. So that's his mindset. Now, a man named Simon had been practicing magic. And we're not talking David Copperfield type magic. We're talking about Anton LaVey, black magic kind of stuff, right? In the city and astonished the people of Samaria, saying um, he was someone great they all were paying special attention to him saying this man is the power of god that is called great and they kept paying attention to him because for a long time he had astonished them with his magical arts now i mean does black magic work yeah of course it does because the evil one has power and the bible says that satan can transform himself into an angel of light so he can make something bad look good or even look holy and that's how the antichrist is going to deceive the world by performing signs wonders and miracles and people are going to say oh this is jesus come back oh this is great and they're going to be deceived because of dark black magic verse 12 but when they believed philip proclaiming the good news the gospel about the kingdom of god and the name messiah yeshua both men and women were were immersed they were baptized Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized immersed, he continued with Philip and when he saw signs and great miracles happening, he continued to be amazed. He's like, I've been able to do some great things. I've been able to do some pretty amazing, powerful things. People even called me great and claimed that my power came from God. But what I'm seeing from Philip is way beyond what I could achieve, way beyond what I could do. I wonder if I could get the power that he's got and do what he does. So verse 14, now when the emissaries, that is the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the message of God, they sent Peter and John to them. They came down and prayed for them to receive the Ruach HaKodesh, that is the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet come upon them. And they had only been immersed, that is baptized, in the name of the Lord Yeshua. Then then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Ruach HaKodesh was given through the laying on of hands, he equated the laying on of hands as a ritual, as some sort of magic formula. When he saw the laying on of hands by the emissaries, he offered them money. Now, that's not unusual, because when I was in Africa, in Nigeria, people wanted to pay me to pray for them. I said, are you joking? Like, come on I, I, no i don't want your money i'll pray for you for free freely i have received freely i'm going to give i don't want your money this is not about me making a buck so you know don't think that you're that me praying over you is going to work because you give me a hundred dollars that's not the way it, that's not the way it is but see because simon in his mind coming from magic arts you know that's what the, the exchange of money kind of worked in magic so that's what he was thinking. So he offered them money, saying, Give me, give this power to me too, so that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Rock Hakodesh. Maybe he had good intentions. Maybe he wanted to see the gospel and the Holy Spirit spread, and he thought this was the way to do it. Maybe he wasn't wanting it because it would make him more powerful. But Peter said to him, May your silver go to ruin, and you with it, because you thought you could buy God's gift with money. What God gives us is free. There's no catches to it. You have no part or share in the matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore repent of this wickedness of, of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be pardoned. For I see you, uh, for I see in you the poison of bitterness and the bondage of unrighteousness. Simon replied, pray for me, so that none of what you have said may come upon me. So when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, uh, they returned to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many Samaritan villages, which was a big deal because Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. They didn't get along. So what we see today in a lot of churches, especially in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, And I'm not throwing them under the bus and trying to paint them all in a bad light. But a lot of times you'll get like these services where there will be these prophets up in front. And depending on what kind of prophecy you wanted, you had to get in a certain line and pay a certain amount of money for this guy to prophesy over you. You know, there was a $25 line, a $50 line, a $100 line. I even had some woman from nigeria contact me that i know from my past visits to nigeria in 2010 and 2011 and she says you know there's there's this you know i'm having some problems and there's there's this person who told me to go to this prophet that he he does really great work and i kind of felt a check in my spirit like something's not ringing true about this i don't know anything about this guy you know i have no evidence to feel the way i feel and then then um You know i said well here's some red flags if he wants to meet with you by yourself that's a problem that's improper that's inappropriate and then she says oh yeah he wants what's equivalent to a thousand dollars and i said he is a prophet for profit he is a charlatan you run he's going to make your problem ten times worse i said no prophet of god will charge you for their services now that's not to say you shouldn't give something to a minister because you know a lot of times they they live on free will offerings and and you know donations and things like that. But it's not what they do, they don't do what they do for money. But at the same time, they too have to make a living. But I'm saying if this guy is going to charge you a thousand dollars to you know prophesy over you or to help you or whatever, I said no, he's not a man of God. And so she thanked me for it. But sadly, we are in a situation. Uh, in a lot of churches where this is happening so uh, Matthew 10 8 says freely this is what Yeshua said to his disciples freely you have received freely give so when he sent out the disciples he told them don't take anything with you don't take a change of clothes don't take a money bag he said you're gonna totally depend on the Lord You're going to totally depend on him to provide for you food, clothing, shelter, whatever you need. You find a house. If they agree to let you stay, let your peace be upon it, and you stay there until you leave. So um, let me read to you Matthew chapter 10, where we were just at here just a second ago. So in Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 7, I'm going to read in a little bit more detail. So I'm going to cover verse 8 again. So matthew 10 starting at verse 7 as you go proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near this is the same message that john the baptist preached the same message yeshua preached after john and now yeshua is telling his disciples to preach the exact same message as you proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come heal the sick raise the dead Cleanse those with za'arets, that is leprosy. Drive out demons and make sure they give you $100 every time you do such. No. No? Oh, okay. I'm, I must be reading a different version here. supposed to be $50. Oh, only 50 <laughs> So he said, as you go, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with za'arets, that is leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received freely give so this is a precedence that believers are not to charge for their services whether they be prayer whether they be prophecy whether it be healing whether it be counseling whatever now the lord should lay on a person's heart you know to give well i felt led of the lord to give this to you because of the work that you're doing not because i want to pay you for your services that's something different so it says freely you have received so freely give Do not get gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for the journey or two shirts or sandals or walking stick for the worker is entitled to his food. So basically what Yeshua was saying is don't charge for for your ministry or your ministry on my behalf, rather. Don't charge. But yet people are going to see what you're doing. They're going to believe in what you're doing and they're going to want to support your work. So you're going to be provided for you're going to have your needs met you're not going to get rich off this but your belly's going to be full you're going to have a roof over your head and you're going to have whatever you need and uh continuing on says whatever town or village you shall enter find who who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave don't be jumping from house to house you know just, just stay where you are stay where you're at as you come into the house greet it And if the house is worthy, let your shalom, your peace, come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your shalom, your peace, return to you. And whoever will not receive or listen to your words as you leave the house or that town, shake the dust off of your feet. So, you know, clearly, um, ministry is not an endeavor for profit. If you see a ministry exploiting for profit, expose them. Number one, warn other people about them, and then run. Have nothing to do with them. And there's ministries, sadly, that are like that. So, uh, in and you know, this even goes to warning about ministries on TV, on the internet, on the radio that make such claims and make such. Um, Make such claims and make such uh, um, gestures as, you know, well, if you give to this ministry, you're, you know, you give a hundred dollars, you're sowing in faith, you're going to reap a hundred full of what you give. I've given to ministries and I've given a hundred dollars to ministries. I've never re- received a hundred full back ever. And is that why you give to the lord and is that why you give to ministry so that the lord can give you back with interest no No, you give because you believe in what the ministry is doing but yet you'll have these ploys of these ministries who will say such things as well if you give the lord's going to give back to you or they'll say well if you give we're going to give you this in return it's a nice little book or it's a nice little that and the other and there's really nothing wrong with that but if your motivation is to give so you can get that resource you're not really giving you're just buying that resource. So your motive has to be pure in supporting a ministry and a ministry's uh, uh, endeavors have to be pure in soliciting funds. There's nothing wrong with a ministry soliciting funds. you know but the way they do it should be a telltale sign of if it's a ministry that's on the level or not. If they're always threatening that oh we're going to have our lights turned off or oh the ministry's going in debt. Okay the ministry's going in debt but you have two houses. The ministry's going in debt but you have a private jet. The ministry's going into debt, but sell one of those. You don't need that. You can fly coach. You too good for that or something? So just be aware and be careful of those type of ministries. So in Acts chapter 19, starting with verse 13. Chat, uh, Acts 19, 13. But some... But some traveling Jewish exorcists also tried to invoke the name of the Lord, Yeshua, saying, I charge you by Yeshua whom Paul preaches. They don't really believe that that name has authority. They believe that that name is a magic word, an incantation. So in essence, they're taking the name of the Lord in vain. If you think that the Lord's name is some sort of magic charm or some sort of magic incantation, When you invoke the name of Yeshua, you're not invoking magic. You're invoking his power. You're invoking his authority. That's what his name represents. But here you have these Jewish exorcists that are not even believers, and they're totally missing the point. They have just seen others cast demons out in the name of Jesus. They're like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. I mean, Jesus is pretty easy to pronounce. If they can pronounce it, I can pronounce it. So if they can cast out demons in this name, I can do it too. Watch me. Here I go. So it says, but some traveling Jewish exorcists also tried to invoke the name of the lord yeshua saying i charge you by yeshua whom paul preaches seven sons of a jewish ruling Kohen, that is priest named Skeva, were doing this but the evil spirit answered them huh, i know yeshua and i know about paul but who are you now yeshua is the son of god every demon knows they tremble at the name They bow their knee at the name and they confess he is Lord. They can't help but do that. Paul had the authority of Yeshua. He had a reputation because he served the Lord. So they knew who Paul was and he was a danger. That's why he was whipped and that's why he was shipwrecked. And that's why he was stoned. And that's why all this happened to him because that was the demonic's way of trying to stop what he was doing. So these demons says, I know Yeshua and I know about Paul. In other words, they have earned their reputation. But who are you? you're a nobody but 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 we are the sons of the priest skiva we're part of the levitical line part of the cohen part of the priesthood of israel demons don't care the demon didn't care what tribe they were from it wasn't in their tribal affiliation or their priestly descent that the demons cared about it they cared if they knew jesus or not And apparently these men did not know who Yeshua was. I know Yeshua, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit sprang on them, subduing and overpowering all of them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Could you imagine that? One guy taking on seven. One guy beating up seven guys, not just beating them up, but stripping them naked so that they're bleeding and wounded and running off. Then the man with the evil spirit sprang on them, subduing and overpowering them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jewish and Greek people. Fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Yeshua was being magnified. People learned pretty quick that Yeshua is not a magic word. That Yeshua was a person that Yeshua was the Son of God that he was the Messiah and that there's authority in that name and you have to know not just the name but the person behind that name in order to have that same kind of authority so they treated the name of Messiah like it was some kind of incantation or magic words that breaks one of the Ten Commandments that says don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain you take his name in vain not when you just say GD or JC in anger you take the name of the Lord in vain when you think that Jesus is a magic word or you take his name in vain when you say oh I'm a believer in Jesus but you don't live like Jesus you're a hypocrite and everybody knows it and everybody sees it you're speaking holiness and righteousness but you're not living what you're speaking that's taking his name in vain because you're saying I'm living for him and I'm living in his name but I'm not doing what he says that's being hypocritical that's taking his name in vain so in 1 Samuel, we see how far that uh, King Saul fell. He was God's anointed. He was God's chosen. But yet he rebelled against God in, in such a way that God refused to speak to him anymore. And Saul was desperate. He was desperate to hear from the Lord. So it was he himself that banned witches and warlocks from the country. It's against the Torah, therefore it's illegal. None of them should be in Israel. If there's any found in Israel, we're going to burn them. We're going to get rid of them. But he stooped to the level of consulting a witch. So in 1 Samuel chapter 28 verse 3, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his hometown. Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. So the Philistines mustered and came and camped at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped at Gilboa. Now when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of Adonai, Adonai did not answer him, neither by dreams, nor by the urim, that is the uh, breastplate, or the prophets. So God was given Saul the silent treatment because he had crossed the line of disobedience to the point says, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Then Saul said to his couriers, Find me a woman who is a medium so that I may go to her and inquire through her. So his courier said to him, Behold, there is a woman that is a medium in indoor. Now, she was a medium in indoor, and from what I understand by tradition, she was a short, furry lady that went nub nub. Okay, none of you are Star Wars fans, so you didn't even get that. The moon of Endor had the Ewoks, right? Okay, all right. But do that didn't work too well. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke used on the wrong crowd. So the courier said to him, Behold, there is a woman that is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went with the other men. And they reached the woman by night and said, Please conjure up for me a ghost. Bring up for me the one whom I will name. Look, you know what Saul has done, she said, how he has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. So why then are you setting a trap for my life to get me killed? And Saul vowed to her by Adonai, saying, as Adonai lives, no punishment will come to you for this thing. Whom shall shall I bring up for you? The woman asked. Bring me up Samuel, he said. But when this woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice and shrieked. Now, why did she do that? because it was Samuel, because every time somebody come to her to conjure up somebody, a lost loved one, somebody that died, she conjured up a demon that knew them. And it's called a familial spirit. So it was the demon or demons attached to that person while they were alive that knew all about that person that could imitate that person so convincingly that the person thought that they were really contacting their dead loved one. And this this medium, this spiritist, this witch, was in the business of doing this so when it was really samuel that come up she was like oh crap because she was so shocked she shrieked because she was shocked that it was really samuel and not a familiar spirit that she's used to so it says she cried out with a loud shriek then the woman spoke to saul saying why have you deceived me you're saul so she put two and two together don't be afraid, the king said to her. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a godlike being coming up from the earth. What does he look like? He asked her. An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe, she said. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel. So he bow- See, Saul even knew the right questions to ask to know if the woman was conjuring up a familiar spirit or actually conjuring up Samuel, because Saul knew how this worked. He, was, he wasn't a dummy. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, so he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Now, was it the power of this witch that brought Samuel up? No, the Lord permitted this. Because the Lord wasn't speaking to Samuel, wasn't speaking to him through dreams, wasn't speaking to him through the priesthood or through consulting the Urim and Thummim of the breastplate in the temple so you know he had no other place to go and so the lord was going to give him a message but in a way that he didn't expect so it was really samuel verse 15 samuel said to saul why have you disturbed me by bringing me up i am in great distress saul answered the philistines are waging war against me and god has turned away from me he doesn't answer me anymore whether by prophets or by dream so i call to you to tell me what i should do Samuel said, Why are you asking me, since Adonai has turned away from you, and you've become his adversary? Now Adonai has done for himself just as he foretold through me, and Adonai has torn the kingship out of your hands and has given it to another fellow, to David. Since you did not obey the voice of Adonai and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so Adonai has done this to you today. Moreover, Adonai will also give the Israelites who are with you into the hand of the Philistines. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Yes, Adonai will give the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and became so terrified because of the words of Samuel that he was absolutely had no strength in him, for he had not eaten anything all day or night. Then the woman came to Saul and saw that he was so agitated, and she told him, Behold, your maidservant ob- uh, obeyed you. I put my life into your hands by listening to your words which you spoke to me. please. You too listen to the voice of your of your maidservant, and let me set a morsel of bread before you so that you can eat and have strength and go on your way. But he refused and said, I won't eat. But when the couriers and the woman urged him, he listened to them. So he got up from the ground and sat on the bed, and the woman had a fatted calf in the house, so she hurried and butchered it, and took flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread for him. Huh, could this, just this occurred to me. Just a thought if she baked unleavened bread could this have happened around Passover um, around the month of Nisan I don't know I'm just I'm just throwing it out there she brought it before Saul and his couriers and they ate and they arose and they went away in the night so a witch was shocked that it was really Samuel now we know that tarot cards Ouija boards crystal balls Palm and tea leaf readings, seances, consulting psychic mediums, casting spells, um, you know, uh, amulets, uh, human sacrifice are all pagan, satanic and occult magic condemned in the Torah. We all know this, but we also know that that works. That stuff works because the demonic realm also has power. Not the same kind of power that Yahweh has because Yahweh is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. The demonic realm is not. They can't be everywhere at once. They're not all powerful. They don't know it all. They work hard to try to piece things together. But there are still Christians and still believers out there who practice these things and think that there's nothing wrong with it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18, we see a clear prohibition against these activities. So the Lord tells Israel when you enter into the land Adonai your God is giving you, you are not to learn to do the abominations. Those disgusting things, those things that I hate that the nations do. There not must be found among you one who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, which is Molech worship, which is human sacrifice. Um, or a fortune teller, a soothsayer, omen reader or sorcerer or one who casts spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. Okay, that's what Saul did. He, he broke Torah because he was so desperate to hear from the Lord that he broke Torah. doesn't make sense, but that's what he did. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And, be, and because of these abominations, Adonai your God is driving them out from before you. You are to be blameless before Adonai your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to the soothsayers and fortune tellers. But as for you, Adonai your God will not allow you to do so. So if you go to a church and they're like, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is here. All right, if anybody wants to hear a word from the Lord, come on up here. And then they get some guys up here and there's a $10 line, a $25 line, a $50 line, a $100 line. How's that any different than paying a palm reader, a tea leaf reader, a fortune teller, a crystal ball gazer? How is that any different? It's, It's all the same. Oh, but we put Jesus on it. So it's okay. We just slap the name Jesus on it. It's it's all right but churches are doing this and churches are falling for this and I've said this before but there are churches who are doing tarot card readings, but oh, oh, it's not tarot cards It's something totally different. It's called destiny cards same thing You know, I mean if I take if I go out on the street and find a bunch of dog crap and I put it in a box, pr- spray perfume on it, wrap it up in a nice, nice shiny wrapper, put a nice bow on it. Does is that, is that change it? No. It's still dog crap. And so it doesn't matter if you change the name of a tarot card. It's still a tarot card. But oh, you know what? You know, we, we don't have Ouija boards at our church. Those are satanic. We burn those in the fire. But we, what we got instead was we got angel boards. Same exact thing. They look exactly the same. Have the yes and no and all the letters and the numbers as the Ouija board. You know, just because you, you put perfume on crap and put it in a box and a nice little bow, bow doesn't make it okay. It's still crap. Angels speak to the church. Well, and, and that's another thing. It's like we're not to get our word from an angel. We're to get our word directly from the Lord. Because Paul said, even if an angel tells you something different, don't believe him. Now, where does Mormonism come from? that is all based on one man hearing from an angel not hearing from the lord hearing from an angel that whole religion that whole cult is based on that and there was this church and i saw a documentary i think it was on 2b or something i can't even remember what it was called but there was this church that was doing a bible study and they were talking one day and they're like, "Well, you know, you know, how come we don't hear from the Lord like like it says in the scriptures? How come we don't hear, you know, like angels come and speak to us like angels spoke to the prophets and angels spoke to this?" You know, well, you know, we believe that the Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. So let's start doing a study on angels. So they began a deep dive study on angels. And guess what? They started hearing from angels. And what they sounded what they said sounded biblical. They even quoted Bible scripture. And they told them stuff that really happened, stuff that really come to pass. They they told stuff, future stuff that eventually happened. So they are like, oh, we got what we wanted. We're hearing from angels just like the prophets and just like our biblical characters. We're hearing from angels. But guess what what eventually these angels told some of these people to do? There's some people in your church that are not real human beings. They're just demons in, in flesh. You need to get them out of your church. You need to kill them. So, these people who were doing the study, the Bible study on angels, who were hearing from angels and writing down what these angels said and believing what these angels said, eventually killed members in their church because of what these angels said. And all that totally goes against scripture. Paul said in one of the Corinthian books Don't be surprised that Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. So he's, gonna, he's he knows the Bible, he knows how to quote it, and he know, he, like a good lawyer, he knows how to twist it to his advantage. So how are you going to know the difference? By you yourself being a Berean and getting your nose into the Word, and not relying on what I'm saying, not relying on what Aaron says, not relying on what any rabbi or pastor or teacher says, but getting into the Word of God yourself and confirming what they say. Don't take my word for it. I'm human. I can be wrong. I don't mean to be. I don't intend to be, but I could be. And so that's how people are fooled, because they don't read the word of God themselves. So churches, like I said, have these destiny cards and these angel boards. So using or thinking that a religious necklace or an icon or a religious item, a plaque or a picture is a protective charm, that is the exact same thing as witchcraft. Now, there's some Jews out there who believe that wearing seat like I wear protects them. They think because they have a mezuzah on their door that that is divine protection. These tzitzit don't protect me. The mezuzah doesn't protect me because I obediently put it on my door. It is a sign of my obedience to God's word. It is a sign of my faith. It is a witness. It is not a good luck charm or, or, or some kind of protection. And then you have branches of Christendom, like Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity, that have icons. Those are flipping idols. They're no different from idols. Because you know what? They pray to these saints to be intercessors to get to God. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. I don't need St. Paul or St. Peter or St. Ignatius or whoever to, give, to pass a word along for, uh, to the Lord for me. I can come directly to him through Christ Jesus. I don't need icons. Now, I mean, do I revere and respect those who have gone on before me? Of course, I hold them in high esteem, but I do not worship them and I do not pray to them. (coughs) them, Praying to them is necromancy. It is speaking and talking to the dead, which the Torah forbids, and we just read that passage where it forbids it. But yet you have sections of Christendom that does these very things. So using or thinking that a religious necklace or an icon or a religious item, a plaque or a picture, is some protective charm, is witchcraft, and taking God's name in vain. And again, that's including the mezuzah or the seat. It's obedience, not protection. Now, remember what I said to you, why I quit the superstore? The Lord said, I don't want you working there anymore. I was like, oh God, well then where's my income gonna come from? What am I gonna do for work? And so I, I gave my two-week notice and the guy said well why don't you consider coming back for just two days a week not working all every day but two days and I thought well I do need the money and uh, okay so I agreed to go to two days a week knowing full well God told me to quit but I was disobedient to the Lord and I started working and that first week I went back to work for my two-day shift all hell broke loose everything started going wrong and I just threw everything down and I was in the dairy freezer. And I screamed God what is happening why is this why is this happening to me and i heard his still small voice say to me i can no longer protect you because you've stepped out from the umbrella of my of my protection because you are disobedient i was wearing zit i was wearing my kipa. I was wearing a religious necklace. How come that stuff didn't protect me? Because that's not where my protection comes from. It's not a magic charm. My protection is my obedience. My insurance policy is my obedience to his word and obedience to him. And because I stepped out from the umbrella of that obedience, I stepped out from the umbrella of God's protection and all hell broke loose on me that day. Because it is is obedience that makes protection, not the item in of itself. Now, I've even seen one TV evangelist Uh, (laughs) one tv evangelist cut his hand on national tv with a dagger and put his blood in a cup making a blood covenant satanists do that witches and warlocks do that i do not see anywhere in the bible where god commands us to do that but he was twisting scripture to make it sound good and everybody was all excited and amen in it see how tricky and dangerous this stuff is when you rely on what other people say about the word of god and you not researching it yourself and getting into it yourself you're saved all of you who've accepted yeshua as your personal lord and savior you're saved and with that comes the indwelling and filling of the holy spirit and it says though the holy spirit is your teacher and guide into all truth that you need no man teach you not meaning that you can be a lone ranger because, not don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need, you know, people that are more educated than us to teach us. But we don't rely on that and bank on that. We don't totally take their word because Paul, as educated and as spirit filled and as anointed as he was, he even told people, don't take my word for it. He applauded the Bereans and he praised the Bereans. He says, these are more noble ca- characters than anybody I've encountered because they just don't take what I say and run with it. They take what I say and go back home and study it to make sure that what I said was true. And I expect you to do the same with me because I'm just a human being. I can get it wrong. And when I do get it wrong, I do try to correct myself. Because I don't intentionally want to mislead anybody. So that is one of the major thrusts of our tour portion for this week in Shoftim, uh, Deuteronomy 16 through 21. Uh, is to beware and to be careful of these things because these occult things are slipping into Christianity and they're being accepted because people are ignorant of the word of God. And that's what it boils down to. So, and I've given this illustration before too, a lot of times, how do people know uh, what a counterfeit bill is? Yeah, they handle enough real stuff so that when a fake bill comes their way, they know it. They don't spend months and years and, and weeks pouring over the different kinds of counterfeits that have been produced they handle the real stuff all the time and then without them knowing it someone slips in a counterfeit and as they're handling the real stuff they're like wait, wait wait a second something just doesn't feel right something doesn't look right something doesn't smell right and they pick out the counterfeit bill right away because they have handled the real you handle your bible the real stuff long enough you will pick out a counterfeit right away and there's no excuse for any of us not to be in the word All of us that i know of are literate and even if you're not literate there are audio bibles so there's no excuse for you not to know and hear the word of god most bibles are given free you can download apps for free that have the bible on it you can read the bible for yourself well i don't understand the king james fine get a different version that you do understand christian standard bible is a great one you know whatever but get into the word of god yourself on a daily basis And on that daily basis, you will gain knowledge and confidence in the Word of God yourself that when something fake and phony and false comes along, you'll be able to pick it out right away. All right, let's go ahead and close with a blessing over the reading of the Word. But the Word of the Lord endures forever, for the the Word of God is quick, which means it's alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart study to show yourself approved unto god a workman that needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth she is a tree of life unto them that lay hold upon her and happy every everyone that retaineth her heavenly father give us a hunger and a thirst if I may use a Southern word, give us a hankering for the Word of God that we may eat, sleep, and breathe it, knowing that that is our spiritual food, knowing that it is our spiritual nourishment, and it's the only way that we can grow and draw close to you. This world is vying for our attention, and m- m- many of us would rather watch netflix or 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 read Sports Illustrated or read the newspaper than dive into the Word of God. but lord, we're we're so saturated with with this information age that our spiritual taste buds is just deadened lord put us on a media fast that we just kind of maybe for a week or so just get rid of all this other stuff and just focus in on your word and we'll develop a taste and an appreciation and a hunger for the word of god many people who who drink wine for the first time thinks it's disgusting but the more they drink the wine the more they begin to appreciate the complexities of the bouquet and the different flavors and tastes of the wine Many people who drink coffee the first time think it's horrible, but then the more they drink it, the more they get used to it, and their taste buds are refined to be able to appreciate the different types of coffee. It's the same thing with what we consume with our spirit. So, Lord, a lot of times the word may be distasteful to us because it offends us because we're not used to it. But, Lord, the more that we get into your word, the more we love it and grow in appreciation for it, and our spiritual taste buds are refined. So, Lord, help us in this area so that we will not be deceived and and not be fooled, knowing that your word is all we need, your Holy Spirit is all we need, and you are sufficient, and Yeshua is, is, is the foundation and the centrality of everything. For we ask and we pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.